Today's scripture comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which ye have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of all the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the body, whole body, joined and held together by every joint and which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You may be seated. Thank you. As we get seated, let me pray for us. Gracious, generous God, we pray that you would be with us now. Would your spirit make your word live to us? And would you be with the kids and the leaders in the other rooms as well, Lord God? Would you make your word live to them that we as one church would get a glimpse of your beauty and your lavish generosity to us this morning? In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. My name, as uh, Daniel mentioned, is Sam. I'm the associate pastor at Christ City Church, South Vancouver, one of the other churches in this network. And so I want to start by just saying I bring greetings from our church and our elders. Our church has been praying for all of you, even before you have been here. And so can I just say it's such a joy to gather with you and see what God is doing among you here this morning. One other thing, some of you who don't know me may be wondering, where does this guy get his accent from? So you're not wondering, throughout the sermon, let me just uh, answer that question. Uh, I'm originally from Singapore. It's a very small country in Southeast Asia. I moved here with my wife about four, four and a half years ago. I've been training Christ City South Vancouver to uh, be able to understand me at full speed. But because you're hearing me for the first time, I give you a discount, 1.5 speed. (laughs) Um, but if I am going too fast, Daniel, can you let me know? And <laughs> I will not get offended at all. Don't worry about that. Okay, so in the spirit of sharing more about myself, one more thing about myself that you need to know. I have an absolutely terrible sense of direction. And so I'm always 
getting lost. If you can imagine someone getting lost in a space, I've probably been lost there. On the road, in a park, in a car park, that was a, that was a good one, in a shopping mall, and I don't know what it is. Maybe there's medication I can take. If you know of something, you let me know. But I, I so easily get disoriented and just lose track of where I've come from and where I, I need to go. And so I want to ask, have you been lost before? Specifically, have you been lost or felt lost when it comes to church? When when my family, when we moved to Vancouver from Singapore about four, four and a half years ago now, I remember that feeling of just feeling disoriented or feeling a bit lost as we were trying to figure out in a new place which church were we supposed to be a part of. We were asking questions like, what should we look for in a church? What are the negotiables and non-negotiables? What is a church supposed to be? And, And as part of a church, what am I supposed to do? And I bring this up because the truth is, we will all ask these questions at some point. All of us will at some point feel lost when it comes to church, right? Whether you are new to church, you've never been to church before, whether you've not been part of a church for a while, or perhaps you've just committed to being part of this church, or at least are thinking about it, we will all, all of us at some point, experience that feeling of feeling a little lost are feeling a little disoriented when it comes to church, asking questions like, what is your church supposed to be and what are we supposed to do as part of a church? So today, as we look at Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at three truths. Three truths that come together to act as a map that we can use to orientate ourselves when we get lost when it comes to church. Three things. We're going to see that a church is called to a worthy life, Called to one hope and gifted to build up. Let me say that again. Called to a worthy life. Called to one hope and gifted to build up. So firstly, called to a worthy life. Our passage opens with the word therefore. You can see it at the beginning of verse 1. Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. Paul uses the word therefore because he's linking what he's about to write in chapters 4 to 6 with what he's just written in chapters 1 to 3. Before telling his readers readers, what they need to do in chapters 4 to 6, he reminds them who they are in Christ in chapters 1 to 3. And this is so important, this word therefore. It's so important, we need to pay attention to this. Because doing what God calls us to do is the result of who we are in Christ and what Christ has already done for us. Let me say that again. Doing what God calls us to do is always the result of who we are in Christ and what Christ has already done for us. One of the reasons we get lost at church is we get it mixed up and the wrong way around. We spend so much time focusing on what we need to do that we forget who we are in Christ. We spend so much time focusing on the doing that we forget what Christ has already done for us. So before we we jump into chapter 4, which is so rich, we need to look back at what Paul is writing about when he he writes, therefore. So flip back to chapter 1, verse 3. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, not just some spiritual blessings, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There is not a single spiritual blessing available that God withholds from us because we have been adopted as His children. It's like if your parent owns a grocery store and you're feeling hungry, so you go to the, your parent and you say, can I have something to eat? And he just stretches his arms over across the whole store and goes, everything is available. Nothing is off limits. Take what you want. And you go, everything? And he says, yes, everything. Everything is mine. And so everything is yours. Christ City, it's exactly like that with God, except he's not just the God of a grocery store. He's the God of the whole universe. Everything is his. And so everything is yours. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There will be days when it feels like God doesn't care, when God doesn't love us, when God doesn't hear us, see us, perhaps doesn't even remember us. And those are the days when we especially need to read Ephesians chapter 1 because God doesn't just see us. He doesn't just hear us. He chose us before the foundation of the world to give us every spiritual blessing. But that's not all, is it? Look, look at, at verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. I love the, the language here. It's a language of just overflowing abundance, the riches of His grace, with God, which God lavished on us. It's like when we had a, an ice cream station at a kid's party at church just earlier this year, and um, the, the kids' leaders made the bold, bold decision to let the kids scoop their own ice cream and pour their own toppings. And you can just picture what it was like, can't you? The, the, the kids were just cramming as much ice cream as they could onto the bowl and they were just lavishing all the toppings and the sprinkles and the chocolate sauce over that ice cream till it was just overflowing and just dripping everywhere. And Christ City, that's how it is with God, except it's not ice cream He's lavishing on us, it's the riches of His grace. He lavishes out, He pours out on us the riches of His grace till it's just overflowing and dripping everywhere. But don't worry, there's more than enough to go around for all of us. Such is the riches of His grace, such is the depth of His love for us that no cost is, no, is too big, not even the death of His own Son on the cross. 
God loved us so much that He sent His own Son to take the penalty for our sins and our trespasses so that we may, we may be united with Him. And you know why He did that? Because He knows there is no greater spiritual blessing than being united with the God of the universe, the God who created you, the God who created me, and the God who loves you so much that He would die for you. Christ City, it's so important we start here. Before we do anything for Christ, we must start with what Christ has already done for us. We must start with the riches and the blessings we already have because of who we are in Christ. Too often we get these the wrong way around and then we get lost and burnt out and disillusioned at God and His church. One pastor puts it this way, it is easier, he writes, to work for God than to love God. You can work for someone you don't even like. As I heard more kingdom workers being burnt out, I realized how many are actually serving for identity, identity rather than out of identity. Sometimes we can be misled into being the employee of the month when in reality, God doesn't play that game. Let me read that last line again. Sometimes we can be misled into being the employee of the month when in reality, God doesn't play that game. Christ, it is, how many of us might have fallen into the trap of trying to be employee of the month? As Christians, as people who have been saved by grace through faith, we are not workers trying to earn the favour of our boss. We are children living in response to the riches we already have with God as our Father. It's like that story in the Chronicles of Narnia. Shasta is a nobody with absolutely nothing, the son, the servant of a poor fisherman. But then the king discovers that Shasta is actually his long-lost son. He's just a servant of a fisherman who found him someplace, sometime. The king discovers that Shasta is actually his long-lost son, which makes Shasta, his son, the prince. And in that moment, everything changes, doesn't it? Shasta's given a new name, a new title. He's taught to dress differently, to walk differently, to talk differently, not in order to be a prince, but because he is a prince. Because he is a prince, he is now being taught to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which he has already been called. Christ City, God calls us to walk in a manner worthy of the, call, of the calling to which we have already been called. Not in order to be children of the king, but because we are already children of the king. Don't get it mixed up. 4 verse 1. This is why Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Christ City, the Christian life is the therefore life. You're not trying to get adopted. You have already been adopted. You are not trying to earn spiritual blessings. You already have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You're not trying to earn forgiveness. You have already been forgiven. You already have and are all these things. Therefore, 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 walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Christ City, how many of us need this reminder this morning? How many of us are in danger of burning out or becoming disillusioned with church 
because we've been trying to be employee of the month when actually we've been adopted by the king. How many of us have lost sight of who we are and the riches we already have in Christ? Why not spend some time this week reading and praying through Ephesians 1 to 3 to remind yourself of who you already are in Christ by faith? Perhaps take time to remind yourself of that first time you fell in love with Jesus. That first time you realized how the depth of Jesus' love for you. One of my favorite things about being part of a network of churches is watching the baptism testimonies from across all our churches. We do baptism testimonies together. And this week, why not spend some time watching some of the past baptism testimonies that you can find on our website? And even as I say this, I realize that there are some of us here who are new to church, or perhaps not been to church for a long, long time, and we're here because we're trying to figure out exactly who we are and who this Jesus guy is. And if that's you, may I just suggest that I think it's no accident that you're here this morning when we're preaching through this text. Would you consider the promises of the gospel this morning? Or at least would you consider the start of a conversation, talk to the person who brought you, you can talk to Daniel or to Josh. So as Christians, as those in Christ, we are called to live a worthy life. Second point, we are called to one hope. Let's look at verse 1 again. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And even as I read this out for us, some of you may have noticed it already, Paul is clearly trying to make a point here. He's repeating the words unity and one over and over again, right? One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Paul is trying to make a point, and his point is this. As the family of God, united in Christ, we are to reflect the unity we have in Christ. What we need to see is that Paul is not addressing Christians individually when he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The you is a plural you. It's all of you. He's addressing the church as a whole. He's saying, as the family of God, all of you, united in Christ, we are to reflect the unity we have in Christ. But now, we need to be careful when we talk about unity, don't we? I would say unity is one of the most misunderstood and misused words in the church today. Unity is important, but how we pursue unity is just as important. Because true gospel unity can only be achieved through the truths of the gospel. When Paul calls for unity, he's not calling for unity at all costs. He's not saying we should sacrifice the truths of the gospel for the sake of unity. He's not saying that. In fact, later on in verse 14, Paul calls us to reject false and deceitful doctrines by speaking truth in love to one another. 
And one of the ways we can get lost as a church is when we make the mistake of prioritizing one good thing over an even more important thing, when we prioritize unity over gospel truth. And what happens is we end up sacrificing the truth of the gospel on the altar of unity. Sacrificing the truth of the gospel on the altar of unity is one sure way we will get lost as a church because it is the gospel that is the basis for our unity. True unity can only be forged by the fire of the gospel. True unity can only be forged by uniting around the only person who unites the church, the person of Jesus Christ. Writer A.W. Tozer uses the picture of tuning pianos that is so, so helpful. He says this, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshippers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Christ City, we don't become united by looking at each other, we become united by looking at Christ. We, we don't become united by diluting the gospel, we become united by uniting around the gospel. We're not saying that gospel unity isn't important. We're saying that true unity can only come by tuning ourselves every day to the sound of gospel truth. But don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean we don't have to work hard at unity. In fact, God gives us specific attitudes in this passage that we need to work at to maintain unity as His church. Look at verse 2. Paul writes, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Three attitudes that, that Paul highlights for us here to maintain unity in God's church. Firstly, humility. Let me just give us a few quotes that describe humility. Firstly, humility is the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. I love this quote. Humility is the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. Next quote. Humility means restraining our sense of entitlement to be the focus of other people's care and attention by submitting ourselves to others with respect in order to promote their self-interests. And lastly, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So firstly, humility. Secondly, gentleness. Gentleness is something that God commands for all Christians, and so it should never be mistaken as weakness. Richard Corkin, who is another writer, uh, describes gentleness this way. He writes, Gentleness means dealing with other people with kindness rather than roughness, with empathetic compassion rather than demanding force, and with soft encouragement 
rather than hard bullying. Gentleness is something God calls for throughout the Bible. It's a sign of wisdom, James 3.13. It's the fruit of having God's Spirit working in us, Galatians 5.23. It's how we are to respond to others who are in sin, Galatians 6. Verse 1, is how we are to respond to those who disagree with us, even when we are right and they are wrong. 2 Timothy 2.25 Humility, gentleness, and patience. Patience means to be long-suffering, to be slow to anger, persisting in doing what is right, even when it is difficult. Or can I say, especially when it is difficult. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Three attitudes that God calls us to cultivate to build unity in His church. Even as this church plant takes root and starts to grow, the devil will try to sow division and disunity. I wouldn't be surprised if he's already tried to sow those seeds right now. The devil will always try to sow division and disunity, which is why we need to work hard from the beginning at being humble and gentle and patient so that we can bear with one another in love and maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Christ City, which one of these three is the underused muscle in your Christian life? Humility, gentleness, and patience. Which one of these is the fruit that, you th- that God is cultivating in your heart right now? Is there perhaps an area of disunity in your life right now? Perhaps it's someone in this church. Perhaps it's someone in another church. Or... Perhaps you sound from the church you've just come from. Would you make a note to pray through that this week? Perhaps memorize and read through verses 1 to 3 so that these verses would come to mind whenever you are tempted not to be humble or gentle or patient. When you meet with your community group, would you ask for prayer or even accountability as God works in you to grow you in that area? So we are called to a worthy life. We are called to one hope. And thirdly, we have been gifted to build up. Gifted to build up. Verse 7 says that God has given gifts to each of us. It says this, but grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Each of us, every one of us, has been given gifts by God. And what are these gifts to be used for? Skip down to verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This last, the last phrase is key. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each of us, every one of us, has been given gifts by God. And each of us, every one of us, as members of the church, is to use the gifts God has given us to build up His church. 
Building up the, the church means to tell others about Jesus, to help them become more like Jesus as God makes us become more like Jesus. Building up the church means telling others about Jesus, helping them become more like Jesus as God helps us, makes us become more like Jesus. You know what this means? This means that all of us, every one of us who are part of the church, our role is not consumption, our role is construction. Our role in the church is not consumption, it's construction. And it's important to remember this because focusing on consumption will lead to us getting lost. We will get lost when we focus on consumption because we were not created to consume, we were created to construct and to build up. It's like how uh, after the lockdown in COVID, remember that? <laughs> so many of our cars didn't start after not moving for months. Our cars stopped moving, stopped working because our cars weren't created to just sit there idle on the sidelines. Our cars were created to move. Christ City, we aren't created for consumption, we are created for construction. We aren't created to just sit there idle on the sidelines, we are created to move and to use the gifts God has given us to build up the church. But we also want to be clear here, what construction looks like for each of us depends on the gifts God has given us and on the season we are in. Some of us have more time than others. Some of us have more strength than others. Some of us have different gifts from others. Don't compare the task God has given you with the task God has given someone else. The question is, what task has God given you? But also know this, our role is not just construction, it's construction with a purpose. We're not just doing random tasks in isolation, we're building up the church. And it's so important to remember this, Because sometimes we end up working so hard that in our zeal and busyness and tiredness, we lose sight of the big picture, don't we? And then we we don't mean to, but we end up forgetting what we're working towards. Daniel was telling me about what a joy it is to be part of a church where so many of you are all in and willing to serve in so many ways. I was asking him, you know, church plant, new thing, lots of things to do, chairs to set up, things to set up, community groups to run, coffee, all those things. And I said, how do you find the people? And he said, you know what? They are just willing to serve. <laughs> he said, so many of them came, are all in and willing to do what needs to be done. And can I, first, can I just say, praise God. <laughs> praise God for all of you and your sacrificial model of, of love and, and service in building up the church. But can I also encourage you, don't lose sight of the big picture. In whatever way you serve, take time to rejoice in the fact that you are part of and building up something much bigger than yourself. You're not just stacking chairs or laying them out, you're building up the church. You're not just getting your house ready to host community group, you're you're building up the church. You're not just carrying a crying baby, you're building up the church. 
You're not just rehearsing, cleaning, facilitating, participating, welcoming, teaching, praying. You are building up the church. And as I think about people who are examples to me of building up the church, can I just take a moment to brag on your lead pastor a little bit? I'm going to do it anyway, so you might as well say yes. <laughs> when I told my family that we were visiting Christ City, Surrey, and that Daniel was the lead pastor, one of my sons said, oh, I know Daniel. And I was like, how do you know Daniel? <laughs> and my son said, oh, he was my group leader at kids camp. And that for me summarized, summarizes so much that I've come to love and admire about Daniel as I worked with him over these past couple of years. Gifted enough to be used by God to lead and plant a church. Yet humble enough to be the group leader at kids camp. And all this time, with such a deep love for God's people that a child will remember his name several months later. Daniel, you have a rare combination of giftedness and humility and love for God's people, and I praise God that you would use your gifts for God's glory. And, and Daniel and Stephanie... <laughs> Your faithfulness in enduring the challenges God has put you through these, especially these last few months, has been a testimony and an example to so many of us, not just in this church, but beyond this church. I praise God for your faithfulness, and I can't wait to see how God is going to continue to use you to build up His church. As we end, I want to make one final observation from our passage. Look at verses 15 and 16 again. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It is Jesus who ultimately holds all things together and it is so important to hold on to that because one day it will feel like everything is falling apart. One day we will all get lost. When I, when I first started working at Christ City, John Bryars, who is a good friend and, one of, and our executive pastor, was just incredulous at, at how often I got lost and how often I was asking for directions. So he would try to orientate me. He's given up since then. But he would, at, at the beginning, he would try to orientate me. He would say, Sam, okay, Sam, just look at the mountains. The mountains are always going to be at the north. They're not going anywhere. Just look at the mountains and you should be able to figure out where you're going and where you are. And I would go, okay, just tell me left or right. Christ City, when we do get lost, when, not if, when we do get lost, when it feels like everything is falling apart, when we've forgotten who we are, when we've lost track of where we've come from, when we don't really know where we're going, <laughs> look at Christ. He's not going anywhere. Look at Christ. He came into this world to seek and to save the lost. Look at Christ 
and He will orientate your life to the path of salvation and the riches of His grace and joy forevermore. Let me pray for us. Gracious, generous, loving Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters now that they would hold on to who they are and what you have done for them. And may that spill over into an infectious love for each other and a desire to build up their church so that this whole neighborhood and then this whole city will look at them and go, I want a piece of that. Would our lives point to you, the only one who can point us in the right direction? and that path to salvation where we, we, where we will be with you forever. In your name we pray. Amen.